Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. We do welcome you into another Gray Bar Sports Open Line as we begin our work week here on a Tuesday after Christmas was on a Monday. I hope you and your family had a wonderful Christmas and that Christmas holiday is continuing on as it is for uh, many throughout the course of uh, this week leading into the new year. Everything for us, pretty normal. We'll be here uh, every night during the course of this week. Countdown to opening day will be on Thursday. We'll be doing uh, Sports Open Line tonight, tomorrow night, and Friday. As always, if you want to get involved in the program, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The other MP, Matt Pajeski, sports producer extraordinaire, uh, alongside through uh, the course of the day. He's had a long day. He was uh, handling uh, the DGS with Hancock and Kelly. Matt, how was your uh, Christmas and uh, everything over the last few days? Christmas was holly, jolly, merry. Anything you can use to describe Christmas is what it was. A lot of family time, a lot of time at church. Yeah, you went to like three church services. Well, I don't like to talk, but went to Christmas. Tried to like what? Get it? Get in the good <laughs> graces here before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Get because, that quote up. Yeah, I got. I had a lot of things I need forgiven, so I went a couple times this year. Went went Christmas Eve at uh, three o'clock. Went to midnight mass. At the Basilica, Christmas Eve, woke up the next day, worked a uh, 10 a.m. service Christmas Day at my own church. So it was a lot of uh, lot of time spent sitting at a 90-degree angle in a pew. Fair enough. Not good for your back, I don't think. Probably not, but good for your soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the church at the school where my daughter goes to does a family Christmas Eve search, which is good, service, which is good because generally you get to the, uh, the end, everybody's got candles. Well, you don't want... A five-year-old, a four-year-old with live candles, so they've got the uh, the light-up ones, the ones that you turn on and off. So I wish wish you had told that to the family sitting in front of us because their five-year-old had a, a real candle and playing with it and dripping wax over the pews. And that's not good. No, I'm just sitting that's behind not good. them thinking like, "Are you gonna tell your kid no, or are you just gonna let him play with fire?" And they let him play with that fire. You know what? Sometimes as a parent, you, you got to pick and choose your battles. <laughs> that's one you got to pick. And that, you got to you got to. Choose not to let your kid play with fire and wax. I was telling Hancock and Kelly earlier. Again, I'm no I'm no father of the year candidate here, um, but I, I don't get to sleep in that often. I don't get to get full night's sleep very often. I I wanted my sleep on, on Christmas, and I, I was very excited for my daughter. But I knew whether she opened up presents at eight in the morning, nine in the morning, seven in the morning, ten in the morning, it really it didn't matter. So uh, we told our daughter. Hey, you stay in your unless there is an emergency. You stay in your room until we come and get you. And she did, and because she's she's a good listener. 
And we did not uh, get up and get rolling on Christmas morning until about eight thirty. You think? Do you think she was up at six a.m. just pacing? Maybe, maybe. I don't care. Like <laughs> she was, you know what? She was ready to go. She waited patiently. It was worth her wait because, worth, yeah, worth her waits because she was able to get a lot of things. So, so uh, that was certainly good. We have not had a live show here on the program since the Yamamoto signing last week because we had countdown to opening day and, and some other stuff going on uh, last week. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's kind of old news, but I'll say this. I did not have a problem with the Shohei Otani contract. I thought, I think he's going to, I think he's going to create that much value and more for the Dodgers. If you listen to me much, I think you know about me. I'm not someone that gets upset about a lot of money being spent and, Guys are paid too much and things like that. Like, that's not me. I'm on the other side of it. I want to see players get paid more money. I want to see owners in sports, not just in baseball, but this is a baseball conversation for now. I want to see owners in baseball continue to push the amount of money that they are willing to spend. And that's, you know, these these teams are worth billions of dollars and these owners are worth billions and the the value is going up and the TV money uh, from a national standpoint is going up. There, there's some question marks about the local TV money with the RSN situation. I get that. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that. Uh, but so much of the the value and the wealth of these owners is connected to the valuation of the teams for when, when and if they do eventually make the decision to get out. And, I, and I'm very much in favor. I'm pro player when it comes to players getting paid more and more and more. So then that, and so that's why I think the Otani contract's great. He's going to create more than that amount of money for the Dodgers. So I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because the Yamamoto contract was 12 years and $325 million. If there would have been one player that was available this offseason that I would have loved the Cardinals to acquire, it was him. That that was the guy. A young, controllable pitcher, great strikeout stuff, like just fit would fit onto the roster so well. Here's where my take of being pro player and pro players making as much money as possible. This is where it starts to hit the um hit a few speed bumps. He just signed the largest contract that any pitcher has ever signed in the history of baseball. And he has not thrown a single major league pitch. I think he's going to be a really good major league pitcher. I think you can look at the numbers they put up in Japan and say there's a very high probability that he is going to be very successful. I'm not trying to denigrate him whatsoever, but... I feel a little uncomfortable when a guy who has never, never appeared in a Major League Baseball game gets more money than any other player, any other pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. I don't know. For, for something about that just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I don't even really know who I'm mad at. I'm not mad at Yamamoto for taking it. I'm not really mad at the Dodgers because they wanted them, so they went and won a bidding war. It's just this, it's just kind of this uh, disillusionment of what's what's going on here, where we're at a point where somebody who has never, never, ever, 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 ever appeared in a Major League Baseball game can go get uh, this kind of contract. Generally, I love it 
when guys make lots of money. For some reason, whatever reason, this one for me just felt uh, a little bit uncomfortable, and uh, that's uh, that's where I am. All right, so this is what we got coming up uh, on the program. If you are like many across the country, you spent much of your Christmas watching the NFL. Why should the NFL uh, continue to dominate Christmas like uh, they did this year? We'll get into that. We'll talk some Chiefs football with uh, Chiefs postgame host uh, Jay Binkley. He'll join us later on next hour. We'll hear from uh, Sean Malone and Eli Hoff and Justin Garcia, all uh, regular uh, participants, contributors, visitors to uh, the program. So that's all coming up. Again, if you want to get involved, 314-436-7900. It is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We're back with more in just a moment here on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. Merry day after Christmas. We'll be with you uh, all week. Kind of a vacation week for uh, many, but for some others... It's just a normal uh, work week, especially here starting on Tuesday. So we'll be with you every day doing our thing, talking sports as always. If you want to chime in with us, you can do so. 314-436-7900, or you can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch a second, a second of NFL football yesterday. I know what happened in the games. The Ravens win was especially Impressive. It was really, really good. Uh, they they and the 49ers are the, the favorites to be in the Super Bowl this year. And we'll see where this thing goes. But uh, I, I, I've got a wife. I've got a daughter. I've got family stuff. Like, it's Christmas Day. But I think I – what about you, Matt Pajeski? Did you watch any NFL football yesterday? Well, in between – in between times I spent watching Bing Crosby and Danny Kay tap dancing around the stage, I, I tuned into a little bit of football, yeah. Okay. It was just on in the background. It wasn't like I sat down and paid attention every down. Did you watch any basketball? No. No. Oh. So this is the thing. So back in the day, and it's not that that far back, Christmas Day was about the NBA. That was the day. And it used to be, it was always just two games and probably 10, 12, 13 years ago, somewhere in there. Maybe I'm wrong on the year. They went to the five games that they play now on Christmas day. And you, you think about holidays, you know, different, you think about Thanksgiving, you think about the NFL, you think New Year's day, you think college football, like different holidays have different sports that are attached to them. And Christmas day was the NBA. And here in recent years, the NFL has started to infringe on that just a little bit. And they went with a triple header this year. Now, what's going to be interesting is what they do next year. Because next year, Christmas, I believe, is on a Wednesday. So, right now, it, you know, it's, it is, it's easy to do a Christmas Day triple header when Christmas is on a Monday. Because Monday is one of the standard NFL days. I think for sure... 
if Christmas is on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday, the NFL is going to do some version of what they did yesterday. What happens, though, when Christmas is on a Tuesday or Christmas is on a Wednesday, like it's going to be next year? Do they completely change their schedule and do they completely change things to continue to dominate? I think they should. Uh, they they had one of the best Christmas Day performances from a rating standpoint that they have ever had. The Raiders Chiefs game combined just uh, combined for just over 30 million viewers across their CBS broadcast and also uh, their Nickelodeon broadcast. Uh, the Ravens 49ers Monday night game averaged about uh, 27 and a quarter million people on ABC and ESPN Deportes. That's up about 60% from the Buccaneers-Cardinals game that was on Sunday Night Football last year for Christmas, and that was the fourth largest Christmas audience uh, ever. Look, I some people push back on me a little bit because they say, you know, holidays should be about family and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be playing these games. And like I said, me personally, I'll, this may be the first ever Christmas in my life that I wasn't watching some sport. I didn't even have, have the NBA or the NFL on. It just didn't happen to happen. We were busy all day long doing family stuff. But I think I'm probably in the vast minority. I think the most people, if you've got a bunch of family over at the house, there's a pretty good chance that there's a TV on and there's a game on the TV. Uh, and it's an opportunity for the NFL to just continue to show their dominance. And sometimes we get pushed back on that, especially in this market, because there certainly is a strong anti-NFL sentiment from a, I think it's a vocal minority. It is a vocal minority because we see the TV ratings. We see how many people in St. Louis are watching the NFL. But obviously what happened with the Rams and the way they moved, there are people that feel very badly about the NFL and do not like the NFL. And I think that is a very valid feeling. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If if the day the Rams walked out of St. Louis, you you vowed that you would never watch an NFL game again, and you have stuck with that through all these years, good on you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not with you on it, but I'm not mad at you about it. I, I completely understand it. But if we take the St. Louis part out of this and just look at things from a from a behemoth, the, the behemoth that is the NFL, why wouldn't they find a way to run games on Christmas Day every single year, no matter what day it's uh, the Christmas happens to f- fall on. So next year is going to be interesting because historically they have run at least some games on Christmas Day when it's made sense. If they were to run games on Christmas Day next year on a Wednesday, they would have to do some you know, finagling of the schedule. Maybe they'd have to do a, some sort of Saturday triple header the week before and all the teams that are going to play on Christmas Day also play on Saturday. And then, you know, that, that assortment of six teams or four teams, whatever it might be, all kind of shuffle up and end up playing uh, different opponents the next week. That could be one way to do it. But I just, I continue to believe that if you're the NFL, the most powerful thing you have is creating more television windows. And there was a few years ago, it was Mark Cuban who was very critical of the NFL and how big they were getting and the different TV windows that they had and things like that. And I think he was wrong. I think Mark Cuban says a lot of things that are correct. I think he was wrong on this one because we just continue to see it on an every year basis when we see the list of the top viewed television programs nationally, the top 100 television programs, it's something like 80 of them are NFL games. And 
I don't know about you, and we all have different Twitter algorithms, and we all look at things differently. I'm an NBA fan. I like the NBA. I follow a lot of NBA accounts. We're going to talk NBA basketball coming up uh, next hour with our guy, uh, Justin Garcia. I didn't see anything on my Twitter yesterday about the NBA. I saw a ton. I saw a ton about the NFL. And, again, that's one person's algorithm. Everybody's algorithm is a little bit different on Twitter. Depending on what you're engaging with, you're going to see different things. No matter what social media you're on, you're going to see different things. All I can do is speak for myself. And the NBA, which used to absolutely own Christmas Day, it was it was their thing. Nobody else could could touch it from a sports standpoint. You would have the the random college basketball game played in Hawaii or something. You would do some other things, but you would, um, it was always about the NBA. The old adage was the NBA season does not start until Christmas day. That's the day where people would start paying attention. And now it's almost like yesterday's five games of NBA action barely mattered. They just, they did not show up from a, from a national standpoint. So um, that's what, uh, yeah, good, good for the NFL. I think we're going to continue to see them. They, they know what they have. They know the power of, uh, of their product, and they realize that they're going to, anytime they can create more television windows, they might as well do it. And that's what they did on Christmas Day with a triple header, and it uh, certainly seemed to, uh, to make a little bit of sense for them. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also uh, tweet into the program if you like, at Matt Pauley on air. We're going to keep uh, talking football here in a moment. Uh, the, the Chiefs. So this is a team that should be significantly better than they are right now. They have now lost three of their last four. The offense is sputtering. They're getting in their own way. They're just not doing the things that they are supposed to do. And here they are, sitting with a record of 9-6, and six, and you wonder, does this team have a deep playoff run in them? It feels like they should, but at the same time, I think a lot of you know faith and hope in who the Chiefs are, it's starting to wane just a little bit. Well, we're going to talk with uh, Jay Binkley. He is the uh, post-game host on the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. So you hear him right here on KMOX. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the team. We'll do that next. It's Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. The Chiefs are still trying to figure out, is this who they are or is this just kind of a bump in the road? They've won four of their last five. Uh, They have won, yeah, excuse me, they've lost three of their last four and four of their last six. They lose against the Raiders 20-14, to 14, a Raiders team that has been mostly bad this year, although to give credit where credit is due, uh, since their coaching change, the Raiders do seem to be a little bit better. But it's not about the Raiders. It's about the Chiefs and one of the world's going on with them as they now sit with a record of 9-6. and six. We are a uh, proud affiliate of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network and someone who's part of that network uh, hosting the postgame show is uh, Jay Binkley. He joins us right now via the Quiver River Electric guest line. Jay, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us today on KMOX. How are you? Hey, good. Good, my friend. How are you doing? Doing all right. So w- w- 
what is it? Is, is this who the Chiefs are? Are they in just some sort of funk that has lasted a good percentage of the season? How do you evaluate this team and sort of their, their long-term uh, prospects for, for this season as they look forward to the postseason? Yeah, they're clear, clear, clearly in a big funk. I mean, it, I think a lot of times – um, they kind of overestimated the kind of the wide receivers this year and kind of because they, they won this Super Bowl last year, so they can okay, they can get by with what they have, but everybody makes adjustments and you got to prove that you can make those adjustments. You see it so many times in baseball. Somebody gets called up from AAA or AA and they might hit well for a while, but then teams always make those adjustments and the good players can make those adjustments back. And I do feel the Chiefs will make those adjustments coming back. The good news is. They they played terrible football. They have uh, too many penalties. Uh, they lead the NFL in, t- in giveaways, um, and well, they had been good at protecting the quarterback, but that went out the window uh, this past weekend. I, I do think that they'll 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 meet the. Uh, they're lucky they're third seed. They're lucky at this point they still have the three seed. So see if they can turn it around the rest of the season. But I mean to not even allow a a completed pass for three quarters and still lose a game. That's a new one. So I'm I'm obviously watching it from the other side of the state, but it almost feels like at times they don't completely know even how to handle the frustration. Like, wh- what do they say? What do they do? How outward should they be with their frustration? Uh, how much should they keep it inside? How, how hard is it for them internally almost processing what's going on? It's just a bunch of frustration. It's a bunch of frustration that, uh, that bubbled up. It's a team that's seen a lot of success. Um, you're talking about a team that's you know gone the five straight AFC title games, won two of the last three Super Bowls, been the three of the last four, uh, and they had their season either end or go on in the Super Bowl or the AFC title game. And they're just you know just coming to grips with it. It's been tough for them. They're, they're showing their outward emotions. I think each time they kind of regret maybe how they handled the situation. Uh, listen, they've been they they've been the the uh, well. People want to say the Chiefs are the benefactor of great calls. The bottom line is um, they're a heavy penalized team. Uh, matter of fact, when they played the Raiders on Vegas a couple of weeks ago, um, Raiders had no penalties whatsoever, uh, the fewest penalized team in the league. And then, of course, you saw what happened in Green Bay when MBS uh, gets totally taken down and they don't call a penalty on the play. Then all, all of a sudden this impetus of offensive offsides that's going around the NFL um, – the Chiefs get called for it uh, with Kadarius Tony in a very inopportune time. It was the correct call uh, for the NFL, but they clearly uh, want to send a message uh, with what's going on. So I think all those factors kind of bubbling up for the Chiefs. We know about the issues with the receivers. Rasheed Rice is having a, a, a nice season. Outside of that, they haven't gotten a whole lot. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey is a tight end. Is Travis, but even him, I mean, he he didn't have a great day. He had a he had a drop this past weekend. It, it is that more just a case of they're able to really put a lot of coverage onto Kelsey because they don't respect the other receivers that are going to be out there. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Kelsey's going to draw, but he's he's drawn the best coverage in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, Tyree Kill took a lot of that away from him, but he still drew it. And, you know, he, he drew it even going back to the, you know, 2013 playoffs and the fact that he was the only weapon uh, for the Chiefs. And, you know, Bill Belichick's always done a great job on him, and he kind of showed the way in the playoffs back then. But, yeah, I mean, he's seeing extra coverage. Uh, he's getting frustrated with it at times. Yes, the drops uh, um, are at the most dinner to opportune times. I mean, Mahomes is playing football in the hands of the players and they're dropping. It's got to be uh, completely frustrating for this offense that absolutely needs guys 
to be able to catch the football, and they're going to have to do a total rehaul, uh, rebuild of their wide receiver room, to be honest with you, uh, in this coming year's uh, draft in Detroit. But, yeah, Kelsey, a lot of people think, you know, Kelsey's at that age and he might be slipping. And I hear all this, but then I don't hear the answer. He does lead all NFL tight ends in yardage. I mean, if he's slipping that bad, how is he still leading the NFL in yardage? You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe he's not living up to the standards he set himself as uh, arguably the greatest tight end in NFL history. Um, He's still an effective player. He can't do it all, though, and I think he realizes that. I I don't bet against Andy Reid. He's as good of an offensive coach that exists in the NFL, but this has now been going on for – for much of the season, sure. does Reed along with Patrick Mahomes, do you, are you confident that they've got the recipe to figure out what they can do to find a little bit more consistency in that offense? Well, I would hope so. I mean, but they kept saying the same thing. I mean, you know, yesterday was, they'll be all right. They'll get it together. I mean, these are fine things to say in week three and four. Because then you're like, all right, maybe they'll, they'll figure it out here, um, you know, and concentrate on catching the football, things like that. But we're at the end of the season. We're two games left, so – all that uh, that kind of was said after the game against the Raiders kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, they know what they have to do. I mean, they, they cannot make mental mistakes. They cannot beat themselves. I mean, you look at some of these losses. I mean, that the Raiders scoring two touchdowns within seven seconds. That is called beating yourself, running trick plays in situations you don't need to be doing it that turned into a, a scoop and score touchdown uh, by the Raiders. I mean, the defense did all they could. I mean, this defense has been great. They're number two in total defense in the NFL. They're number two in points against in the NFL. And it's kind of being wasted at this point. I mean, all this team needs to do is put up 21 points a game, actually just 18 points a game, and they're fine. You go back to the Detroit game, they lost that game because of mental errors. Kadarius Tony had the ball bounce off his hands right in the Brian Branch, who went back for a pick six. Um the Chiefs still do find a way to be within one score. Mahomes only been beat what five times in this history by more than one score, and even even last time. I mean, you give the uh, offensive great enough against the Raiders, and you know they came within a score of beating the Raiders. And the Raiders were were not good on offense in that game. They were great on defense, but they didn't complete a pass for three quarters. Um, so you know, all these things, you go back and it, it's mental mistakes, it's, it's turnovers, it's it's creating errors, it's it's a lot of confusion. I'll be honest with you, since the set ways of having Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator, uh, the team's got really used to that system. Okay, so that, I was going to get to that, but you brought up his name, so let's go to it right now. There was actually something on Pro Football Talk today that threw out the idea that if Washington fired Ron Rivera and all the coaches, that maybe there was a, a scenario where Eric Bieniemy came in and was with Kansas City in some form or fashion uh, during the playoff run. Now, obviously, teams hold on to assistant coaches sometimes after firing head coaches, so there's no guarantee he would be available. But if there is that scenario, could you see the organization bringing Eric Bieniemy back this year? No, and they have brought coaches back before. I mean, Matt Nagy's back here and was here earlier on, but I, I don't see a scenario for this season. I think you're going to pretty much dance with what you have at this point. Um, Washington's offense wasn't great this year, and they know that. Uh, but there's something with this offense. Amy Reid still calls the plays. That's the thing people need to realize. Like He's still the one uh, calling the plays. I will say this. The, the one thing that's really missed with Eric Bieniemy 
is that attitude. The fact that, you know, he didn't mind getting in your face. He didn't care who you are, what you've accomplished in this league. And they're kind of missing that. That's the kind of attitude that Eric Bieniemy uh, carried all the way uh, from being a running backs coach with his team all the way to being an offensive coordinator. But he had that fiery attitude. And I think that is the one thing that they really, really miss. As far as the X's and O's, uh, maybe, maybe so. At some point, they still got to you know catch the football and do things that are out of Matt Nagy's uh, control because there is a talent issue uh, with wide receivers. Andy Reid is still calling the plays, but I think they're missing that that attitude from the enemy. Is that something that's falling now more to Patrick Mahomes when it comes to the accountability from an offensive standpoint? I, I think so. He's trying to do too much. Um, you know, kind of an underrated stat that uh, no one's really talking about. He has more rushing yards this year than he ever has in his career. He's up to 387 at this point. He proved to once again be the best running back on this team. And, you know, non-organized running plays, just kind of scrambling outside the pocket because protection wasn't there, you know, and picking up the yards um, with his feet. And it's certainly more running yards than you'd like to see uh, for Mahomes at this point. Uh, but, you know, solid ground game uh, to go along uh, with the receivers and the pass blocking, uh, the Chiefs are still 31st in the NFL and few sacks given up. But this past weekend was a bad example of the offensive line. The holdings, they still lead the league in holdings. They still lead the league in drops. Uh, there's just all these little things that are starting to bother the offense. And, you know, untimely errors inside the red zone. And Mahomes hasn't been perfect either. He's trying to force the ball in at different times and, and play kind of differently than he's done in the past. Um, would really, really like to see uh, the Chiefs uh, be able to get a number one or number two wide receiver and see what happens. See what happens when you uh, give Mahomes the talent. Listen, they thought that they could be fine with this group, that Mahomes could elevate the talent. Um, Someone should ask Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison if they truly want to give all the credit to Peyton Manning. They were pretty good, too. You know what I mean? We're talking with uh, Jay Binkley, part of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network, doing uh, post-game work uh, with them. Just a couple games here left in the regular season. I know you'd, you'd love to see the Chiefs win the games, but is it is getting it's just finding some consistency, especially from an offensive standpoint? If, is finding themselves these next two weeks almost more important than the final result? I think so. I think so. And just being crisp, trying to lock down the AFC West for the eighth straight year. You know, that's still a big carrot out there for this team. It's still an accomplishment uh, to get to. They need to win one of their final two games. Uh, one of them is on the road in the division that they've been fantastic. As a matter of fact, Mahomes is, what, 17-1 and one on the road in the division as a quarterback. But they need to find that consistency and not have the kind of the self-made errors. Because right now the rest of the pack's right there with them. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs might be the third seed, uh, but you'd think, okay, you know, are they really that much better than the seventh seed in the AFC playoffs? The answer is no. I mean, they haven't been as formidable at home. People are worried about the Chiefs. Can they play road playoff games? The answer is yes. They're actually a better road team than they are home team, to be honest with you. Mahomes actually won more games on the road uh, than he has at home. Of course, he's played three more games on the road, but he's won three more games on the road. The Chiefs have four losses this year at Arrowhead. They have only two losses outside of Arrowhead Stadium. So I don't think that's a matter, and I think it's great. I think you get rid of all distractions and you kind of focus on the team. You're in the team hotel, and – you know, you carry that chip on your shoulder. This team loves that chip. So playing on the road, I don't think, is a, a bad thing for the Chiefs, especially having a quarterback with the talent of Mahomes and having a defense playing the way that it is this year because you don't want to see this defense being wasted because 
uh, it is by far the best defense Mahomes has ever had. I'll finish you with this. Sports fans can get, I don't know if spoiled's the right word, but certainly get used to a certain standard of play, and we've seen a very high standard from the Chiefs. That's happened here in St. Louis with Cardinals and Cardinals fans sure. having high expectations of, of the organization. What has it been like for Chiefs fans in Kansas City watching what has kind of turned into an unexpected season? Well, it's just that, uh, like you said, you get used to winning all the time. And you host, listen, I'm 50 years old, and I have never seen a uh, AFC title game in this town except for these last five years. Yeah, they in 94, they made the AFC title game that was in Buffalo. And, you know, since that Super Bowl year in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, there was nothing. There was nothing. And, you know, we, I think we take it for granted, the fact the team, you know, with the five straight AFC title games, the fact that uh, this team has Mahomes, the fact that this team really uh, was kind of rebuilding last year and still won the Super Bowl. I mean, they kind of gutted the wide receivers when they traded Tyreek Hill. Um, there was five rookie defensive backs that played in the Super Bowl uh, for the Chiefs. They're extremely young. They had the third most rookies starting last year. As a matter of fact, they're leading rusher, a seventh-round pick, and Isaiah Pacheco. But then, like I said, there's five rookie defensive backs, and you know the Chiefs are the youngest defense in the NFL. The 61 starts by rookies uh, is incredible. They were kind of rebuilding uh, right in front of your eyes, and it worked. Uh, there was only two teams that had more starts for rookies, and they drafted number one and two in the NFL, and the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. Uh, finishing third with those 61 starts. So, yeah, they got to put it together, and they have been able to. And they've, you know, people have gotten used to the success. They've gotten used to, to Andy Reid calling plays and Mahomes facilitate them and Travis Kelsey scoring touchdowns. But, you know, eventually you got to start retooling everything. Eventually you got to start reloading uh, everything. And you got by last year. Yes, you did. But eventually you got to start spreading it out. And quietly they have built this, uh, rebuilt this team. There's only four guys on this team that predated Patrick Mahomes. That's it. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and then two specialists, your long snapper and your field goal kicker. Those are the only guys uh, that predated Mahomes. So one on offense, one on defense, basically. So they've quietly rebuilt it, but there is still a lot of work to do. He is uh, Jay Binkley. You hear him on uh, Chiefs postgame. He's part of our uh, sister station, 610 Sports in Kansas City. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Three Guys in a Garage. Jay, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Hopefully we can uh, catch up with you every once in a while. Anytime, guys. Just just call away. We love talking some football, and there's going to be some baseball to talk here soon, right? Yeah. Hey, look forward to that. We, I don't think we're going to be as bad as we were. You know what? I've liked the Royals offseason. I've liked yeah. it a lot. I think they've done some some very <laughs> – Quietly. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm a fan of what they've done. So, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Jay. All right, guys. Take care. That's Jay Binkley joining us here on the program. We'll take a break. Have more in just a moment. It's a great our sports open line on KMOX. Back at it on a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski alongside. We take you till uh, 8 o'clock this evening. So, Matt, I told this story. I was on with uh, Chris and Amy earlier today, minus Amy, plus Nate Gatter. And generally I try to, you know, if I tell a story on Chris and Amy, I don't want to just rehash it. But they said that I need to share this story on Sports Open Line. So I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to listen to what uh, what they had. I had a dream on uh, Christmas Eve night, and so I woke up Christmas morning in the middle of this dream. I woke up as the dream was going, and it was a really vivid dream, and it's a little dark. So here's the dream. Here's, here's where my brain went 
my subconscious went. Uh, Shohei Otani was interested in the Cardinals. So in my dream world, he had yet to sign with the Dodgers uh, because in real life he had signed with the Dodgers already. But in my dream, he was still a free agent. Uh, Shohei Otani was interested in signing with the Cardinals. And he was coming to St. Louis, and he needed somebody to show him around St. Louis. And somehow I become the person who is going to show Shohei Otani around St. Louis. Well, he gets here, I'm showing him around, and it becomes very, very clear that he is not going to sign with the Cardinals. So what do you think I do, Matt? What do you think I do about that? He makes it clear that he's not going to sign. Yes. Do you do some sort of like last chance effort to win him over with a tour of the arch? No. Forest Park. I kidnap him, and I lock him into a storage unit. Well, that's not where I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> that's what happened. That's my one dream. way to do it. <laughs> and my thought process in the dream is that he is going to stay locked in the storage unit until he decides that he is going to sign with the Cardinals. Uh, somehow, some way, he gets out of the storage unit. That's It's not totally clear on what he did to get out. And at that point, he ends up signing uh, with the Dodgers. His representation, his agents, then call our boss, Steve Moore, and tell Steve what I did locking Shohei Otani into a storage locker. And Steve calls me into his office and asks me whether or not that was true, that I actually did that. And I was honest, and I said that it was. And Steve, at that point, started to fire me. And as he was going through the process of firing me, that's when I woke up. I appreciate your intent, but... I disagree with your tactics. That's not how I would have gone about it. What would what would have you done? You would have taken him to the arch? Yeah. Okay. Probably a better idea. Showing him Bush Stadium. Gave him a Budweiser. What do you think that says about do we if we have any uh like psychologists out there who are dream analysts who hear that dream of me locking Shohei Otani in a storage locker until he signs with the Cardinals, if you have any thoughts on what that dream might mean about me, you can text those thoughts in at 314-436-7900. Do you you know me pretty well. We work together on an everyday basis. What do you think this dream? Put on your uh, amateur dream. I know. I already know what it means. Okay. It means you are a little concerned about the upcoming Cardinals season. Okay. And you may have some doubts in some regard to the team, and you are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that we've got a good team next year because you don't want to be up at midnight taking angry phone calls from from listeners who are calling in about another Cardinal loss after we gave it up late in the game or something like that. So that's where your that's where your brain's kind of at. And if it, if it takes kidnapping Shohei Otani and locking him in a storage locker to <laughs> to combat that, then yeah, you're, you're, that's what you're going to dream about. This is we've all had those like really vivid dreams. This was one of those really really vivid dreams. I woke up and it felt like I'd watched it on TV. Was this like early morning, like right before you woke up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I for some reason I think the brain's the most active then because you're you're near its wakeful state. Right, so your brain is like hyperactive. It was actually one of those things where I kind of felt myself starting to wake up and I tried to stay awake because I wanted wanted to see how the dream finished. You ever have one of those where you're in oh, the dream yeah, yeah. and you try to try to stay asleep and then finally you're just awake and there's nothing you can really do about it? Because maybe yeah. there would have been a twist. Maybe maybe Steve would have first said 
that I was fired, and then all of a sudden, Shohei. it would, yeah, then, like Shohei walks in the door, rips open his thing. He's got a birds on the bat logo on his uh, on his chest. You get that'd promoted, be the way to go. A, you, get a, you get a raise. Yeah, St. Louis loves you. Yeah, I'm a hero. I'm a hero. Maybe that's where the dream was going. If I would have just started that dream just a little bit earlier. Well, hmm. we appreciate the effort. I, I got on new allergy medicine like three or four days ago. That, be, that could also be so. it. That uh, that is. So, so yeah, like there are dogs meds or something. There it is. There's uh, that's what Matt Pauley is dreaming about. He's dreaming about uh, kidnapping Shohei Otani, locking him into a storage locker until he agrees to sign with the car. I'm kind of frustrated with my brain, though. Shouldn't my brain know that Otani had already signed with the Dodgers by that point? That dream was late. That dream was late. I should have had that dream like two weeks earlier around the winter meeting somewhere in there. That dream just did not come at an opportune time. We'll take a break. Have more in just a moment. Our weekly fantasy football conversation with Sean Malone. He joins us in just a moment or so. It's a gray bar sports open line here on a Tuesday night. It's not Monday. It might feel like Monday, but it's not. We're back with more in a moment right here on KMOX.